You're listening to The New Paris. I always like to close out the year with a look back on some of the major stories that dominated the news feed throughout the year in Paris. And this time, I'm joined by my friend Jake Siganero, a fellow journalist and contributor to NPR. Jake, I don't know about you, but I have a long list of things to remember about 2009. So why don't we compare notes? All right. Sounds good. And thanks for getting my name right. <laughs> is, that, is that a side eye to plenty of people who have mispronounced it through over the years absolutely mm. radio side eye mm. well we're we're both from the club of people not being able to pronounce our names so Lindsay tramuda i've heard tramuda uh tramuda people have added l's throughout my life it's been interesting let's get creative yeah yeah exactly the french get it right though so that's good but that's one nice thing about the french but let's talk about some of the not so nice things that have happened this year what what sort of like comes to mind first uh, well, Notre Dame, yeah. number one. Mm, that, yeah, was that was April, a, right? Yeah. April 15th, was it? Somewhere around there, 14th, 15th. Feels yeah. like 10 years ago already. I know. I know. Um, so let's go back. Do you Were you working that story? I wasn't even here. Damn it! I was in Texas. It was Yeah, I was in Texas. I was visiting family. I felt terrible that I wasn't here. What would you have done? Um, Climbed well, up to the top and... Yes, know. I would have saved Quasimodo. I would have... <laughs> Gone and saved all the gargoyles that I could have. No, uh, I mean, I would have had, had to be down at the Seine and, and with the crowds and right. to cover it. And, and it was very emotional from what I saw on TV and from what I heard from my colleagues' reports on the radio. Um, you were there. Uh, not well. No, I was watching it unfold on Twitter as I watch everything unfold on Twitter. Yeah. I just happen to be online. That's where life happens. Well, that's now. where life happens. And I make that comment so much on this show. People must think I'm insane slash doing nothing else. But you know, scrolling Twitter. I think you're a bot on Twitter because you I, so much. <laughs> just, shh, don't tell people that. Um, yeah, so I was watching it unfold, you know, because actually I think it's the best place t- for breaking news. Um, and my friend who works for France 24, Charlie James, she's been on this show, she wasn't even on the clock, but because she lives so close to Notre Dame, she was like, all right, I'm getting my shoes and I'm going down there. And so she was live reporting and I was following her. And then I saw a live feed when the spire fell and I just, I think I just started crying. Yeah. And it's weird because I never, you know, it's rare to, for me to feel that emotional watching, you know, I don't know. The last time I felt that emotional, there was something really traumatic happening in the city. Right. Circa 2015. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It was. I think. I think when you think about the, the, the myth making around a building like this and how it, even if you've never been to it, you somehow have a, a story it's or in a your memory. Mind, yeah. yeah. So I think that's what was powerful. And then the next day, France twenty four had me come down and just answer some questions like, why do you think people are so emotional about this? And I'm like, you know, second most visited city in the world, iconic structure. What's number one. Oh my god. I, I wish it we had to time Paris. to. It was Paris for a long time. No, I wish yeah, we could play quickly. the guessing game because it no, is so. You ne- tell me. You're never going to. Just okay. It's a place in Asia. Tokyo. No, it's Bangkok. No, I found that to be so shocking. It's anyway, offensive. Bangkok, <laughs> Paris, and then London, um, and New York. We don't care. Somewhere along there. Um, but anyway, so you know, second visited city in the world. The the landmarks, you know, they make like little kids' toys out of like wooden blocks out of Paris monuments. Yeah, so of course, course we've all seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame, even if we've never been to Paris as kids. We watched the Disney movie, but even like religion, like you know, religious people know yes. these structures and Absolutely. like you know. So I I just think it had, 
it resonated far and wide and it looked like sort of like crumbling civilization. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is a word that's overused as a descriptor a lot, but Notre Dame is iconic. It is, uh, it is, it is it a is. symbol of the city, along with the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe. There are these monuments, these symbols of the city that we identify with that are landmarks, both physical landmarks and spiritual landmarks in our minds. And Notre Dame is one of those. And that's why it was so dramatic, I think, whenever we saw the spire engulfed in flames and falling. And so what is the status now? I know that... Yeah, let's talk about that. Right, because <laughs> the summer there was some lead contamination Absolutely. issues yeah. that the city kind of covered up. I don't know whose fault that, like, who physically did the covering up. I don't know that Anne Hidalgo strikes me as someone who would cover stuff like that up, but is that beyond mayoral jurisdiction? Yeah, I mean, yes. So Notre Dame is state property. It belongs to the country of France, the government of France. So I think it was probably, there was some coordination between the city and the national government on how to handle this, how to communicate about it. You know, they say they weren't trying to cover it up, but they were just trying to control panic. They didn't want things to get out of control. Mm. Right. So, I mean, I think it all plays into this idea of France being a nanny state and not trusting, <laughs> not trusting the public with, with information. Oh, how interesting. You, so you, do you feel like this is part of other things? I mean, I know this is a tangent, but other things that, you know, the state has covered up? No, not necessarily that they've covered up, but just the way that they take care of the public. Right. Okay. You know? All right, so we can't be trusted to have this information and not freak out. Right. Got it. Okay. So we had lead contamination. Um, the heat wave made it impossible for a lot of the work to begin, right? The, yes. And that wasn't even like the actual repairs. It was just sort of like fixing the damage. Absolutely. Well, no, the fire. The, yeah, the heat wave and the, yes, so the heat wave, the extreme temperatures were actually causing more damage to the structure and endangering the structure even more. So that's why it was so dangerous for the construction workers to even be in the building to, to try to secure it and to, yeah, to add those supports so it wouldn't collapse. So where are we now? Have they started? Yeah, so they're back on site. I mean, as you know, Macron has this very ambitious five-year plan to have it reopened and ready to go for what? 2024 Olympics. Also, that just astounds me because who honestly cares? Do you think people are going to be like, mm, I'm going to not come to Paris for the Olympics or just in general because, you know, it's still not open? No, I think it's also symbolic. I think Macron and, and the government want to show that France is resilient and we take care of our monuments and we're going to we're open to the world and we want everything to be just as you dream it to be whenever you come to Paris. We want everything to be perfect for you. So that's admirable in one sense. But on the other hand, there's a lot of cri criticism and uh, backlash that he's getting from historians, architects saying that that timeline is way too fast. Well, it's literally impossible. It's literally impossible. We don't even know what we're going to do with it, whether we're going to restore it or restore it. When I say restore it, uh, take it back to the original spire. Right. When I say original, the one that was... <laughs> you got to go back a few yeah, layers. Exactly. <laughs> or do something entirely new and contemporary um, or mixing classical architecture, the classical Gothic architecture with something new and contemporary. I mean, there's so many big questions in the air that we have no idea what's going to happen with this. So, okay. So right now there remains a, a, a big sort of block... Uh, like a wall, not a wall, but like a, a blockade around the whole perimeter Still, of the yeah. esplanade in front of the exactly. church. So the you Paris. can't get the Paris. Yes. <laughs> esplanade, that, that plaza. The plaza. Yeah. <laughs> plaza. plaza. Um, so you can't get very close. No. I think ultimately, um, I think I remember reading that 
relative in, in a relatively short amount of time they might be able to allow people to enter the middle section but of course anything you know further than that will take years and years yeah absolutely um well and they also talked about erecting a temporary chapel on the plaza in front of <laughs> so sorry ruined <laughs> that for us it's okay esplanade works too we all mm. we all knew what you meant but yeah, erecting a temporary cathedral, or not cathedral, but um, chapel for pilgrims and religious people to come and to pray and to still do their thing. Okay, so Notre Dame, big story. Yeah, but wait, what do you think oh. is going to happen with it in terms of design? I mean, there were some, oh, there were some really thirsty architects who put <laughs> I, up their designs the next day on Instagram. Yeah, so I was actually quite confused as to what that was a response to. It was just sort of like wait, we've got it. And it was it was totally anticipatory. Like, we know eventually we'll be asked to participate in a competition. But it just right. seemed like out of the woodwork, all of these, you know, navel-gazing, crazy avant-garde architects came out and they were like, I have the proposal. Let's put a swimming pool on the roof. Like, yes. good God, get, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> Please no. Um, but, you know, I, I people continue to repeat this thing about how, you know, the spire, when it was, when it was, Erected, it was also very modern for the time. And, and it's controversial. Like, and controversial. But yeah. like, I don't know if that's a comparable uh, controversial design when we look at the the proposals. Like it it just seems like They're the gap. vulgar. Right. But it just seems <laughs> like the gap is so much wider. Right. In, in aesthetics. Like there's yeah. a problem here. Yeah. So hopefully none of those will. You know, but they all got press. Right, so all, press. all these well, idiots got yes. airtime. So exactly, and we're talking about them, but not naming them. So no, haha, they don't deserve. Um, it. Okay, so what do I think will happen? I think we will never be able to meet that 2024 deadline. Nope. But Macron may or may not even be president by then. So who cares? Aha. Uh-huh. Not gonna comment. No comment. Um, what else? Hidalgo was constantly in the news for a variety of plans. Yeah. Um, over construction of the city. I tend to be very understanding. I am not a. I'm not a. I don't have a car. Of Hidalgo, of her plans. Yeah, of or... her plans, and also okay. like when this city is, you know, it looks like you're you you're in a bus and you take it takes you thirty minutes to go f- three stops because there's <laughs> so much construction. Yes. Like it's not ideal, but also I kind of think any big global city is going to have tremendous amounts of construction work no matter what like even if she didn't advertise all these plans that she has to make the city greener and less car dependent like it's a big capital uh, can we really expect that much less i don't know uber drivers and taxi drivers and anybody who rides a moto are like constantly livid absolutely and bike riders as well i mean i ride a bike around town and oh good you're gonna yes. be the, the the cyclist the, voice yes, i will be the voice of the cyclist i'm not the official voice but i ride a bike enough to give my two cents okay so what is that two um, cents? no thank you annie dalgo for all the piste cyclable all of the bike paths that are being created especially in the 19th in my neighborhood okay but it's still a nightmare to ride a bike in this t- uh, in this city and why As, is that? Because of all the construction. So you can be going on a bike path and all of a sudden there's just a barrier set up and you have to swerve into very hostile traffic. Hostile traffic. <laughs> I mean, hostile. They're hostile the... drivers. Yeah, no, they're they really are. hostile drivers. And how does the e-scooter, what do we call those? The electric scooters? Yeah, or... the electric scooters. Did a whole story on those. I know. So how do, how do those complicate <laughs> driving and cycling? I mean, they're a tremendous nuisance in my opinion, but... 
Well, I mean, how do they complicate? Yeah, yeah. So, like, they take the same path as you do, right, as a cyclist? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, yeah, so they're supposed to, but I think they've since been banned from the bike lanes as well. Okay, so they literally a, have no, I mean, no home. Yeah, they're just trying to ban them out of the city completely. Well, can't say I disagree with that. Yeah. Um, Don't take my word on that. That's but fine. Yeah. But what about the PC Club that were created around, so, you know, they just finished the Place de la Bastille? Yeah. Which looks much better. I haven't seen it. Okay, well, you're going to have to ride over there. And you can actually go from there straight down Rivoli all the way to, like, the Champs-Élysées around Concorde in, like, record time. That's incredible. But that's only because the construction has ended. Right. <laughs> so I mean, now it's finished. It's all about the journey, Lindsay. It's not about the destination. <laughs> okay, so you're, you come, you're coming at it from a things mixed take time. perspective. Yeah, right. things take time. Yes, it's a nuisance, but typically nuisances are temporary. And construction is not always ideal, so you've got to get through it until you're going to get the finished product. You're very rational, though. Most people are very emotional when, yeah. they, when they're driving. Oh, I'm still emotional. Very emotional. Wow. Okay, so what do we think... Uh, she, she did that. She, she brought us the Olympics. Right. She we we brought home the Olympics. Yes. Um, what else, what are the big things that she did also? Well, she had to be there for the, you know, Notre Dame disaster. Airbnb policies. Excellent point. So everyone, well, actually I, I've, I've said this to friends who are like, Airbnb is really big in Paris. Right. And, and I had read a figure that still astounds me, but that Paris had the second number um, of listings in the wow. world. After Barcelona, probably, or New well, York? I don't know. I think it might be New York. Okay. Um, but so many people get scammed by, you know, more and more companies who buy up these properties, totally. and it's not like a real home. And the city says that it's problematic for housing. They're already snatching up housing that's in I short agree. supply. I agree also, and, and I... I'm, I prefer our hotel experience, so that's a, a very personal <laughs> opinion. But Hidalgo has been very, very aggressive against Airbnb. Are they taxed more heavily? Like, what is the situation right now? Do you know? So they're only allowed to have their property rented out 120 days of the year. After that, it's cut off. They have to register for a tax number. It's taxed. The city monitors how much a certain property is is rented on Airbnb throughout the year. And then after that, they get fined if they're... Trying rented. to rent it out. Yeah, for, exactly. Okay. Because the idea is that you, this is supposed to be your home that you just rent out temporarily. Yeah, exactly. Right. To make a little extra cash on the side. It's not right. supposed to be um, a business venture where you go and buy an apartment and then only rent it out to tourists. But in actuality, that's a problem not just for Airbnb, for any of these short-term rental companies. Absolutely. I mean, because they had the short, we've had short-term rental companies in Paris long before Airbnb right. existed. And I have several good friends who work in this industry who manage second homes for Americans or foreigners who have apartments in Paris and then who rent them out on the side. And they were completely um, sideswiped whenever right. Airbnb came to town. And now I have friends saying that they're going to have to get out of the business altogether right. because Paris is becoming even more aggressive on short-term rentals. Yeah. I, I know a couple of businesses that have shuttered Just, yeah. their operations due mm. to that. Okay. So very interesting. People should think twice maybe about uh, going straight to Airbnb. Also, there have been scandals in the U.S. Um, about Airbnb. Some really horrific things have happened. So like just... Be vigilant and, yes. and think about 
Think about how you're spending your money, where the money's going to. Right. Yes. Right. That's our end of the year message. <laughs> Think about where your money's going. Airbnb's not sponsoring this podcast. No. Oh, but that. But you know what they are sponsoring? What? The, the Olympics. Olympics. Yes. And apparently that was a decision that obviously went over Hidalgo's you know, jurisdiction. Yes. Um, so that's something she's also not happy well, yes, about. Well, yes, and so the hotels are now saying that they're boycotting the Olympics, which I don't know what that means. I no, mean, are that you going like, to refuse to rent out your rooms during the Olympics? I mean, that's shooting yourself in the foot. Also, it's way too early for them to be like, we're boycotting. Yeah, don't burn the barn down with all the hay in it. It's too, it's yeah. too many years away also. Like, they're going to come around. Yeah. They're still a business. Um, okay, so we've got Airbnb. Just one last thing on on Hidalgo. I thought it was interesting. Last week she was going, um, she was interviewed as talking about Amazon and the tax that she wants to add for um, deliveries. So it would actually be a tax that the brand sold on Amazon. So let's say, I don't know, you are buying a Nerf ball that literally just came to mind. I don't know why. A Nerf ball Why not? that's purchased on Amazon. So Nerf, the company or whatever, would incur this tax, I guess, because they would be delivered by Amazon and Amazon creates traffic issues, waste, pollution, etc. What do you think about this? I think there are many arguments to that. I'm not a big fan of online shopping because mm-hmm. I agree with creating more carbon emissions and traffic jams and waste, et cetera. But at the same time, I mean, what are you going to, what would you expect a company like the Nerf company to do? (laughs) Create their own delivery system? Because then you're just going to create more and more. Amazon is centralizing the deliveries. Well, and then what happens? Then it falls on the consumer anyway, because they will pay more for the item. They'll just jack up the price. So I guess the answer is you live in Paris, go to a physical store. Yeah. Which I already feel like we should be doing again Absolutely. anyway but but at the same time you know i get it some people work insane hours and they literally barely have time to like get themselves a sandwich yeah that's sad but also <laughs> as you said paris is a big city but it's still a walkable city and it's a it's a small city it's a livable city it's a human-sized city so you should get out and support your local shops especially your bookstores as we've discussed before yes very important and yeah support local businesses well maybe if amazon took to like having a bike cart you know like a, a bike with a big wagon on the back with all the packages maybe that's maybe she'd be okay with that possibly i mean are you talking about like a branding stunt here or what are we doing like no i'm i'm talking about like an operation where they're like bike messengers oh, yeah. who but like can have a a thing an apparatus no. to actually no okay it's just big trucks all right that well. block the bike lanes well that's what i'm that's saying i know that's what i'm saying so yeah. amazon would need to move to a new system of delivery anyway just a thought and also she was saying that you know who actually needs something delivered in two hours or something yeah absolutely because i think what she's really railing against are the you know the fact that amazon now has this like same day two hour delivery offer or some something like that uh okay so moving on hidalgo hopefully she'll win next year march 2020 do you think she will what are her chances i think they're pretty good because honestly i just tune out all of the discussion about the candidates Wow, talk about living in your own bubble. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that didn't go so well for another country. I know, know. I know, but um, I don't think they have a very strong uh, positioning. The the two candidates, Cédric Villani and uh, Benjamin Griveaux, right? Yeah, and And, Rashida Dati. Oh, right, she's running too. 
Okay, so we've got the Republicans, the Omash, whatever. Yeah, okay. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I think I'll start to get nervous in February. I think Rivo, Macron's man, has the best chances. He's awful. Against why? Um, I think he's just full of garbage. He's just like, you know the you know how the French the do the the, oh, the, yeah. the Pied Piper? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's full of hot air. I mean, he definitely is playing like the Mech Sempa, like the... The cool guy, your college buddy. The, you know what part, it is? Yeah. Is that he is a he's a pure politician. Totally. And and Hidalgo is someone who came from a very working class background, worked her way up, was a labor inspector, did so many other things. And so I tend to find her a very human, you know, figure. Like a very, um, she's doing what she can, and she has strong convictions about the environment, and I think that's what we need. So the city, if you you know, if you've lived through these heat waves, you know that something has to be done, and I think she's trying. Even though she's the incumbent, would you consider her the underdog for this? No, no. I mean, I think uh, people people get really mouthy <laughs> about about um, you know, like oh. Uh, la ville est impossible depuis Hidalgo and all that, you know, but I think it's a lot of a lot of talk. I don't know though. We'll see when we get to the voting booth. Yes. Because you can do it too. I can vote. Yeah, we're both French. Woo. Jake newly French. Yes. So that happened in 2019 also. That's right. That's um, not a tough That did story. not make international that, news that though. That did I'm not sorry. trend on Twitter. Um, I'm going to launch something else, <clears throat> something more uh, recent, Roman Polanski. Yeah, good one. Still a despicable figure. Um, that's my; those are my words, not yours. Um, for anybody who hasn't followed this, he came out with a film called J'accuse about the Dreyfus affair, or in English, it's called A Spy and an Officer, oh, or good. An Officer and a Spy. Okay, good call. Yeah, it features Jean Dujardin, who yes. I can't get out of my head as uh, Bais de Nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, very niche pop culture reference um but anyway so so this film j'accuse dreyfus and polanski who has basically you know been um in happy exile in france since he fled the united states under you know under accusations and actually he was there was was a warrant he was convicted convicted, yeah of raping a 13 year old girl um he almost essentially like even in his i think he wrote an autobiography where he admitted to having had Really, a relationship with her. Yes. Um, At the time, he admitted to it as well, but he said it was consensual. Which? And which I believe she has since said it was consensual as well. But who knows what doings were behind that? Well, well. the reality is she was 13. So, correct. And people in France have really protected him. They have elevated his work. They treat him as un grand artiste, which is the perpetual debate in this country is like, do you, you know, can you separate, Can you the, separate artist the, the artist from their work? Yeah. Um, and women's rights groups um, and anyone with a brain has said, <laughs> no, you can't. Um, or yes, you can separate. Um, no, sorry, wait. No, you can't separate. So we, he needs to be, you know. Banned. Banned. Um, his films need to be pulled from festivals. Um, of course, they're not. No. Um, and so He was kicked out of the foreign, not the foreign press, but um, the, the Academy Awards jury council whatever but i believe the film premiered uh, at venice yes yeah it won, won an award of, it won a lot of awards at venice at Cannes. so voila this is an issue uh it's an issue also because he said that he was like dreyfus himself he compared yes. himself to dreyfus so this movie is his 
it's his explanation, basically. He's comparing himself to Dreyfus, saying that he's been tried in the media. Should we give listeners just like a quick yeah, yeah. overview yeah, yeah. of what go. the Dreyfus affair is? Of course, go ahead. Okay, like this is a 17,000 word Wikipedia page condensed into <laughs> two seconds. But basically, so Dreyfus was a Jewish army captain in the French army, and he was accused of spying for the Germans. It um, created a lot of divisions in France, which let out a bunch of anti-Semite and uh, nationalist sentiments. And this is all leading up to World War II. This mm-hmm. is well before World War, World War II. And eventually, um, Emile Zola, a famous writer and activist, wrote this pamphlet called J'accuse, mm-hmm. supporting Dreyfus. And um, yeah, eventually the government had to, they pardoned Dreyfus or right. they, they found him innocent and right. dismissed the case. And right. Voila. So the whole thing was Dreyfus was tried in the court of public opinion. And so this is what yes. Polanski is saying is happening to him as well. So the the night of his of the film's premiere in Paris, which was at I want to say Le Champou, right? I think that it's anyway it's in the in the fifth, and a feminist group composed of not just women. I, I want to highlight that there were men who were protesting as they yeah. should. Um, went to uh, the theater to to protest uh, the film and actually tried to block ticket holders from entering and there was a news broadcaster who filmed this and who interviewed some of the very irate men older white men who uh were like this is n'importe quoi i should be able to see the film it's a it's a it's a work of art i don't care what he does in his personal life blah 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 okay so this is like a a very common theme also one of the older men that they interviewed said he wasn't even aware that there were more than just this one uh, there was this one case. He's actually been accused by something like twelve other women. Yes, and there have been and most recently, yes. right? So two weeks prior, I mm. think, to the film coming out. Yes. Will France ever? St- I mean, will they stop protecting guys like this? I mean, there. This is not the only case, and there were cases not before his because this has been around a while. But more recent cases, like with Luc Besson, who is mm-hmm. a filmmaker. Um, he did The Fifth Element for those who yes. need a very iconic film that he did. Exactly. And there's another director by the name of Rugia who's also been accused by a very famous actress. Um, what is her name? Adèle. 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 Yes. Um, but, I mean, the problem is in France, I, I can't say a problem, but one of the hiccups, I guess we can say it's a problem. Yeah. I'm not a journalist here. <laughs> <laughs> You're just Jake. I'm just Jake. Uh, is that the accusers risk being sued for defamation. Right, and the defamation laws are very... Very strict. Strict here. They're there to protect everyone, and I believe in strong defamation laws, but these laws have been used against victims. Yeah. And to silence victims and to keep them from coming forward. And, you know, we think also of their undying love for Woody Allen. This is a this is another person oh, who's been venerated one. here. Um, but But, you know, the problem exists in the States insofar as the... Actors and actresses that continue to, you know, support him and champion him and say that they would, you know, work with him in a heartbeat again, you know, and it's like, okay, you're not seeing the issue here. Yeah. I mean, so should we hold the actors and the producers accountable, the people who finance this? Well, if you're asking the activists, the answer would probably be yes. Yeah. But, you know, at that, it, it's it's tricky because it's like, well, how far do we go? Should we stop uh looking at Picasso's work because he was an extremely problematic figure. Um, Degas, these are not living figures, so maybe that's part of where it becomes different. But, you know, anyway, this is is an ongoing debate, and that's one that has really been big this year. So will you see the film? No. 
No, absolutely not. In fact, the last Polanski film I saw was The Pianist and masterpiece it really was a masterpiece uh but i can't like i can't yeah with everything i know now i was much younger then and not necessarily fully aware of True. some of these issues um so yeah it's tough i still haven't decided if i'm going to see it or not i don't want to see it to support him necessarily but it is an important piece of french history and i would like to see that on the screen i've read about it but i would like to see it come alive in front of me oh, it's tricky man and i have my cartouche say so it's not like i'm giving him money <laughs> <laughs> not di- no not directly no. it is a ticket sale, but it counts it counts as yeah. you know you know mm-hmm. um just to do a lightning fire round because we're already nearing the end of our time a couple of other things that stood out to you or standing out because the year's not totally over Oh, God, you, this is putting me on the spot. Um, well, Macron and uh, NATO. Yes, Macron and NATO. Being, he's there right now. <laughs> yes, uh, Macron saying that NATO was brain dead. Right, that's... That was and then Trump said he was brain dead. But yes, uh, the other Macron thing that stood out to me this year was France hosted the G7 right. in Biarritz, and there was a little coup de théâtre uh, with Iran showing up. It was very... Uh, unannounced. Unannounced. Unexpectedly. Well, apparently they said that Trump had been informed because mm. um, it well yes so basically Macron brought the foreign affairs minister from Iran to Biarritz on an informal sideline meeting hoping to broker some kind of discussion or agreement between the US and Iran with mm-hmm. all the sanctions and everything that's going on now um so that was i mean honestly maybe i'm just a politics geek but i gasped whenever I saw the the headline run across the screen on the ticker tape saying that Iran had landed in France at Biarritz. So I well, thought he was trying oh, to yeah he was trying to be diplomatic and like it encourage. Is. It, was, it was very. I mean, for all the finesse of the French, that was very heavy handed. Well, un peu lourd. Well, he's going to be lourd also with these pension reforms, which everyone is striking tomorrow. Yep. So I admit we're doing this end of year review slightly early. We are December fourth, uh, so when you hear this, it will the strike will have happened. But who knows what's going to happen after that? People are like <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> um, but part of that is because it's literally going to be paralyzed. A city yeah. paralyzed. Yeah. So uh, what, do you have you been in a big? strike like this before um, there was one in september that was pretty bad but you know i work for myself so i'm just like okay all things canceled i will stay home i won't go anywhere that i can't walk to you know yeah um but we'll see i'm i'm curious to see how it will affect businesses like even restaurants coffee shops are they yeah. able to stay open like can their employees arrive yeah that's a good question uh, it's gonna be bad i mean i'm getting nothing but all my news alerts that come on my phone it's like how to work from home, like best practices for working from home. Like, did I write this? Because I can tell you right now, the best practices for working from oh home. Oh my God. Well, I can tell you that City Mapper, you know, that app, that fabulous app, uh, yes. subway transport app is is very much in on the humor because they've started saying things like, archi grève, you know, demain, préparez-vous. So, you know, they're they're obviously trying to make it as seamless as possible. But aside from Metro Lines 1 and 14, Everything is going to be in disarray. Get your battle gear on. Get your battle gear on. You got bottled water at home. You got canned goods. <laughs> what about what about the cats? They're going to be okay. Are they striking? Are they also going? My on cats strike? are like if it means that the workers doing construction in the apartment above us are not drilling. Great. If they can't get to their work site. Great. Your I'm speaking are, for them. 
They're such bourgeois kitties. I uh, gotta say, it's disruptive to their sleep They're patterns. Definitely aristocratic. Um, I'll have a discussion with them about that. <laughs> um, so just to conclude, it's yeah. been a big year. Um, we didn't get to talk about the the domestic abuse cases no. and the feminist marches, but they were in great number. What do you hope will happen in 2020? Anything big? God, these big these are the I big know. questions. I'm sorry, like life questions here. What, what, I'm going to let you take the lead. What do you hope? Well, I'm, I'm going to turn this around on you. What do you hope is going to happen in 2020? I hope Hidalgo wins re-election. Okay. Two, I hope she enjoys my book that she's involved in. Yes. I'm not saying I, I support everything she does, by the way, but she is in my book, which comes out in the spring. So I'm excited for her to maybe read it. I don't know. It's very hard to get to yeah. her. She's the big important lady. Very. Um, what else? I hope we don't have a heat wave. That is something very good to hope for. I don't think it's going to be realisé. Okay. We're going to have a heat wave. Let's see. What do I hope for in 2020? I hope your book is a huge success. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, And I hope that Macron and Edouard Philippe can untangle all of these manifs and the gilets jaunes, the yellow vests, and all of the strikes. and Not guaranteed. Yes, across all the public services in the hospitals and the railway workers. I mean, it's... They've got a big mess on their hands. Okay, we, we really need to do a whole episode on railway and, and, and hospitals because that's another thing that's been a disaster Can we get year. a Shimino in here? Can we get a railway worker in here? Uh, do they speak English? Because that's the only... Maybe. Uh, petit souci, quoi. We'll find one. Okay, well, this has been tweet. 2019. Um, Jake, thank you for coming in to talk about all these things. I'm sure next year we'll have plenty to talk about. Um, until next time, catch all of the ep- episodes you may have missed in 2019 by finding the new Paris podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, World Radio Paris, and (laughs) everywhere else you could possibly stream your shows. A très bientôt et bonne année.